0: KSQL has a decent library of built-in functions, but no library is ever good enough. What if you want to write your own? We'll learn how today on Streaming Audio, a podcast about Kafka, Confluent, and the cloud. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tim Berglund. I'm joined in the studio today, again, by my friend and co-worker, Hojad Jafarpur. welcome. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Uh, I want to talk about UDFs and UDAFs in KSQL. Give us an introduction. What are these things?
1: Well, these are very powerful tools for you to bring your own custom computation to KSQL. We introduced them in 5.0 release that we had last month. And this is, again, one of the features that we heard from community that everyone was looking for release of this feature. Oh, yes. The current release that we have is uh, supporting KSQL function, UDFs and UDFs in Java language, but we have plans to expand this to other languages too.
0: Excellent. So in general, um, just as a reminder, most people have probably been around databases long enough, but for any listeners who we might have who are new to this kind of thing, uh, what's the difference? It's, it's cumbersome to carry around both of these phrases, UDF and UAF, UDAF. So what's the difference between the two?
1: Well, the difference, to some extent, you can uh, get it from the name. UDF is user-defined functions, and UDAF is user-defined aggregate functions. UDFs perform their operation on single row. Whenever you receive a message, in our case, you can apply UDF and get an output for uh, the computation that you have. On the other hand, UDAFs are aggregate functions, meaning that the operation is going to be performed on a set of rows or messages compared to the UDF, which was just one. Examples of UDAFs is count, sum, mean, or average. All of these aggregate functions are UDF. Sorry, UDAFs for you.
0: Yes. Those are examples of built-ins, but if I uh, was concerned about statistics and I wanted to calculate, say, the moment and not just the mean of something.
1: Yeah, then I, that that's the point that UDAF. you can bring your own aggregate function, implement it, and use it in your queries in KCQL. Got it.
0: Um, now we we talk about this like a thing that's just launching uh with 5 recently released as of this recording uh but it has been supported in the past so how how could i if i really needed to write a udf in the past how would i have done that prior
1: to 5.0 well we did have as you mentioned built-in user def built-in functions and built-in aggregate functions meaning that you could perform uh absolute value or Uh, square root or all of these um, scholar functions. And you did have access to sum and count and you could actually do average too. Uh, On the other hand, when you wanted to actually add another function, you had to go and look into the code and follow the same steps that we had for, let's say, uh, functions like abstract value or aggregate functions like sum or count, implement the same functions inside the code and rebuild the code, and then that will be available under your new build. So this was a cumbersome process. As you mentioned, there was a workaround. You could do that. Actually, we have a blog post about it, how to add uh, machine learning UDFs or machine learning functions for KSQL and use them in your queries. So obviously, the next step would be make it very simple for the users. So we added the UDF, UDAF support for the KSQL 5.0. And in this case, you actually can implement your functions in the format that we d- define in UDF and UDAF framework that we have, build it outside KSQL. You don't need to rebuild your KSQL. You just make your Uber jar file with all the dependencies that you have, and you bring it to KSQL and deploy it in KSQL servers that you have, bring up your servers, and now you can access that function in your uh, queries.
0: Okay. I I want to ask you some more questions about that. But first, I want to say that blog post that Hojat was referring to was from, I want to say January or February of 2018. It was by Kai Werner. The link, it was an excellent blog post. The link will not be in the show notes because we don't want you to know how to do that or we don't want you to have to do that. You had to rebuild KSQL from source uh, in order to do it before and now you don't. So digging into... Digging and
1: in. Go ahead. Let me add one more point for this. We are going to have a new version of that blog, exactly the same problem, but being solved by the new framework, which shows it's much, much simpler than the way that the go. first version was. And done. yes,
0: we will. Uh, that is going to be released soon with respect to the time we're recording right now. And it will link to the old one just so you can go back and just reflect on how great life is now and wonder how you got by back then when you had to chop wood to boil the water for dinner and grow your own cabbage. It was not easy, but um, digging into sort of the development process for writing a new UDF or UDAF, um, you described it as is your. it's an independent uh, really Java library uh, that you're building. So there is, uh, I imagine some sort of dependency. I'm like extending a base class or something. Kind of walk us through the Correct. basic assumption of Java What's it look like?
1: Yes, you will need to add the dependency on your Maven file uh, to our case, uh, UDAF and UDF framework. OK, so that's it an independent. Be, yes, you will good. just have a dependency in your uh, library that you're writing or the project that you're writing. And now that you have the dependency, the case, the KCQL case UDF UDAF is available for you. When you're writing your UDF, let's assume you're writing a UDF. Yeah. Uh, you will be using our annotations to specify a class as a UDF and specify a method inside that class, which is a function for your UDF. So, the UDF part of the framework, you have two important annotations one is UDF description which specifies some properties for UDF, including name of the function. And inside that uh, class that you define, you can have multiple methods. And when you annotate them with UDF, it indicates that that method is going to be a function that KSQL will be available to call.
0: Okay, so inside one class, I can define more than one actual UDF. Exactly.
1: Let me give you an example. Let's say you are... Uh, writing a UDF that uh, calculates abstract value of uh, a number. You can have a class and use the UDF description annotation for the class, meaning that this class is going to implement abstract value, but you can have different types of parameter for this abstract value. You can have a double value. You can have integer value, right? And you can write one method for each of them and annotate them with the UDF all of them will be loaded to the KCQL server and you will be able to call them with any data types that you implemented the functionality for. Got it, got it, got it. So you just have overloads for the different types. Exactly. And KCQL is going to take care of all of these for you. And uh, that sounds super
0: testable since they're just annotations. It's, it's a POJO basically. And, exactly. In my tests, I can make one and, and write tests and just not care yeah. about Yes, you write
1: your uh, UDF classes and methods, and you can have unit tests for them. You can have integration tests for them. It's just a simple Java code that you write. You can bring your dependencies to your uh, UDF class. For instance, if you have a complex UDF that, uh, similar to the example that you mentioned in our uh, blog post, it is using some complex machine learning algorithms, you can actually import that library and use that library inside your function And all of that functionality is gonna be available for you. Now you will be able to call a complex, let's say anomaly detection function from your query and use it for anomaly detection. Right.
0: And so building this sounds pretty simple. There's this one compile time dependency uh, that, uh, well, is just a compile time dependency. And any of those other libraries that I bring in that are runtime dependencies of my UDF, um, we Uber jar those in the build. And then deploy that Uber jar to where? Talk about the actual exactly.
1: So now let's say that you have written your UDF class and methods, and you have all of the things running in your IDE or wherever you are developing this Java code, and everything is working fine. Dependencies are in order, and now you are ready to deploy to KCQL servers. So the steps that you are going to take is going to be: first, you are going to create an Uber jar from your for your UDF implementation. This UberJar is going to include your UDF code plus all of the dependencies that you have. As an example, in the case of the machine learning function that we had, you're going to include any library that you used for uh, the machine learning co- function that right.
0: you implemented. And uh, to pause you there for a second, to be clear, as far as KSQL is concerned, there are no runtime dependencies that need to be bundled with that. I can no. bring them to the party, but they are... There are none, I just build my code and make a simple, simple jar of that. Exactly, these
1: are it. all compile time dependencies. Right. So you need to have them when you're writing the code. And when you build your Uber jar, in the KSQL server, we have a designated folder called extension folder, ext, in as, the KSQL folder. Does. Uh, but that is actually configurable, so you can configure the extension folder to be any specific folder on your KSQL server machine. And you put the Uber jar there, and you restart your KSQL server, it automatically is gonna look into that folder. Any jar file that it sees, it's gonna load the annotated classes as UDFs and add them to the list of functions that are available in KSQL. And now you can use them in your SQL queries. Like you can say, select function foo of column one, and it's gonna have that functionality available for you.
0: All right, amazing. That sounds actually not very difficult.
1: Exactly. That's, as you mentioned, compared to the previous way of doing it, it's extremely simple.
0: Yes. Um, and I presume right now I could also use some other JVM language as long as I uber-jarred appropriate uh, runtimes and annotations worked. Correct. As long as... Like when we doing Groovy or something.
1: Exactly. As long as it's a JVM language, you should be able to include all of them in a jar and KSQL should be able to run them.
0: Awesome. Uh, is there planned support in the future, and obviously we wouldn't talk about dates or anything like that. But is there the notion in the future of supporting other languages, and how what's the thinking on that?
1: Yeah, we have plans for it, but not immediate plans at the moment. But we have been talking about like supporting other languages too.
0: Gotcha. All right, so let's. Uh, we've kind of been talking about UDFs. Um, anything different? And you had already said UDAFs are, uh, as the name suggests, they're aggregate functions. They operate on collections of rows and, and you know do some sort of aggregating. Anything else worth talking about there?
1: Uh, there's only some minor differences in the annotations that you use for UDFs and UDAFs. In implementation of UDAFs, actually you need to implement three main functions because every UDAF you're gonna have initialization and you're gonna have aggregate function that need to be implemented. The aggregate function that you have in any UDAF is gonna receive a current aggregate value and the new value that you have, and it's going to apply that new value to current aggregate value depending on the aggregation that you define and create a new aggregate value. Let me give you an example. Whereas imagine you want to have an aggregate that does some operation, uh, adding up numbers. Sure. So every time when you're implementing your UDF, UDAF, in the aggregate function, you're going to get two parameters, two arguments. One argument is going to be the, the current value that you're receiving from the input. And the second argument is gonna be the current sum so far. That right? running running sum. Exactly, yeah. running sum. So now inside the function, let's say your sum operation is adding the new value to the existing sum and getting the new sum. So you're gonna exactly perform this inside the function and return the new sum. And there's another function called merge that is used in uh, session windows for aggregations. So you need to implement the merge too, otherwise you won't be able to use uh, session windows for Ah, aggregations. So in the case of merge, similarly, you're going to receive two aggregate values instead of one aggregate values and one current value. In this case, it is used for merging two session windows. Let me give you an example. Imagine you have a session window defined based on the lag or gap between the events. Now you have a new event, which kind of closes that gap, meaning that, previously you had two windows, but now you receive a late arriving event or any other event that falls in between these two and reduces that gap. So now it means that these two windows that you had should be one window. So the merge function actually is gonna use those two values for those two windows and create a value for the new window that you have. So that's the reason that you have to implement merge function if you want to use session windows in your queries.
0: Got it. Okay, so that that's funny. Session windows end up being sort of a corner case that that elbows its way into, correct. Unlike, I imagine, a lot of things.
1: Exactly. Unlike hopping or tumbling window that you have a fixed window size and you know the size. Here, the window size changes depending on the events that you receive. So the merge function here helps you to do the aggregation for the session windows in case that you have to merge two, two windows together. Okay, so... Uh, that makes sense. In the
0: case of some, of course, we would just add them.
1: Right. But in case but, of average, in case of, let's say, other values, exactly. let's say standard deviation or any other aggregation values that, you know, or functions that you have, you may do any custom operations. Sure, that could be, be nasty.
0: So the types that I can deal with in my UDAF and UDF functions um, are those all of the types that a column can be. Uh, so what are my limits not
1: there? at the moment there are limits that you can't have complex type at the moment okay meaning so like that you can't, you can't have you can't struct, aggregate struct you can't aggregate struct or you can return a struct okay but all of the other scholar types like you can have big int varchar all of them are available string and right yeah everything you want there correct all right you will be able to also have array and map as input and output of your udfs and udafs excellent excellent and uh tell me about blacklists all right, this is actually an interesting feature that we have. Uh, you can specify a list of uh, UDFs and UDAFs that you define in your Uber jar to not be available, meaning that if you get a Uber jar containing a bunch of UDFs and UDAFs, and you don't want, for instance, make some of them available for users of your cluster, you will be able to put these uh, classes that you don't want to be accessible for the users in the blacklist. And when KSQL loads the UDFs and UDAFs from this uh, Uber jar. It's gonna ignore the ones that you specified in the blacklist.
0: Okay, this is a configuration parameter. I can, I can. Yes. Set this. Yes. Yeah.
1: You can add uh, the new classes that you don't want to be loaded. Okay. Okay.
0: So it's uh, kind of a, a somewhat coarse-grained feature flag. If there are some things in there I want to keep them away, I can keep them away. Correct.
1: And also, there's a security manager for the UDFs that. Currently we don't run some of the statements like if you have system.exit in your function <laughs> implementation we won't run that
0: for you right we we uh that that's a, that's considered harmful
1: yes that is considered harmful and you can enable or disable the security manager it's also another config variable that you have in KCQL.
0: sure so if you want to be a cowboy that's that's allowable behavior but not the default correct so UDFs and UDAFs uh, seems like they've gotten a major upgrade. They were doable before, but only kind of. Right now, they feel like a fully supported feature and something with a growth path and plan support for more languages and for more features and uh, something that should be every serious KSQL or a part of every serious KSQL developer's toolbox.
1: Exactly. As you said, this is something that opens the door for a lot of use cases that previously you wouldn't be able to express them in pure CQL format, but now you can bring the custom functionality very easily inside your KCQL server and make it available for your queries.
0: My guest today has been Hojat Jafapur. Hojat, thanks for being a part of Streaming Audio. Thank you very much.
1: And there you have
0: it. I hope that was helpful to you. If you've got questions, you can ask me at, at @tlberglund on Twitter. That's T-L-B-E-R-G-L-U-N-D. Or you can leave a comment on any of our YouTube videos. Your question might be featured on the next episode of Streaming Audio. And feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel and this podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. And if you subscribe through iTunes, be sure to leave us a review there. That helps other people discover the podcast and just generally helps us get the word out. We appreciate your support. See you next time.